Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 236 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are back in the media pit with Michael and Zach. We take a quick trip to Euro Corner, and I think that's what we're calling it, uh, to talk about Beringen, and then we spend the rest of the episode talking about GoCross and the first UCI action on North American soil of the year and how all that panned out and what it means going forward to Rochester and the first C1 next weekend and into the World Cups and on from there. Uh, in, in this episode, we, we, we refer a lot to the bulletin and what that is is the CX Harris Bulletin. It is the Substack, the newsletter that Zach and I started to cover cyclocross in the world, but mainly in North America. And uh, it's what we're putting all of our time into it. So we refer to it a lot. So if you don't know what that is, go to cxairs.substack.com. The link is in the description for the podcast as well. And uh, join. You know, you can just follow along. And then if you think it's worth it, it's $8 a month to to join. Uh, It's um, it helps us a lot bring you the coverage that I think you want. If you're listening to this, I think you're uh, invested in U.S. and North American cyclocross, and we are trying to do the best we can to cover it. So go subscribe to the bulletin and go over to wideanglepodium.com and check out all of the content there. Go to the YouTube page. I have a highlight from Go Cross day one up there working on day two as well. It's going to be chock full of content going forward. All right. All right. It's episode 236 of Cyclocross Radio. We are talking Go Cross with Michael and Zach, and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit. Oh, it is so exciting. We 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 had a we had UCI Cyclocross in the United States of America. I I, I can't contain myself, but I'm going to have to for at least another second so that I can ask Michael, how's it going? Bill, I am, um, I'm infatuated. I, you know, I know we're going to talk about American cross and I'm happy, but I want to just quickly go over to Belgium because Beringen cross is like one of my favorite courses. I'm wondering if it, if it will, you know, be mine. Well done. I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's a joke for the bulletin readers. Yeah. So if you didn't read the bulletin, if you're not subscribed, I, I you might not get that joke. I can't slag you for that one. <laughs> yes. There you go. USA. USA. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Heaps I just the puns over here. Oh, sorry. I literally just finished watching the Christopher Blevins race. Uh, and so I am just in a very patriotic uh, fervor for American American bike racing right now. Yeah. I mean, good, good weekend for Americans. You know, Chris and Evie taking the wins in Snowshoe. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Tim, you can use that one. That's for free. Hey, I wanted to go back to Berenstein for a second. Were you, a, when you were a kid growing up, was it Berenstein? Yes. Or, yes. It was not the Berenstein bears. It was the Berenstein bears. Okay. No one ever said it out loud. Just, it, it was what? in my head. You didn't do that? Like, you didn't like... I feel like everyone had the Berenstein Bears. Like you, yeah, you read that during like silent reading and stuff, and that's like one of the Mandela effect things, you know? Right. It yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. It's Berenstein or Slag Heap. You know, people people remember different things. 
Should we start with our Euro corner? I love it. Let's do let's do a Euro corner. We're gonna we're gonna Break speed hit. through. I Michael, I'm with you. I love this course. I love that it's this old industrial park that you have the old coal processing plant right there. Uh, and they 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 were like, hey, we've got all this industrial waste. Like, let's turn it into a recreation area. I mean, like, you know, we're going to go to the Vamberg for uh, European Cross Championships this year, which is, I guess, an old garbage dump. And I don't know. I just like there was a place like that back by my hometown. It was a small ski hill. It was an old garbage dump. I love it. Was this the race last year? Was this sort of the the early coming out party for Don? Yeah, so this is the race where Armand Don was like flying at the beginning. He was showing Tone the descent lines, and like he he did like three hot laps. Then Tone was like, "Thanks, Bud." And Don's like, "We're besties still from our Lions days." And he actually gave him credit after the race for showing him how to to take the descents on the drops and weave his way down it. So yeah, it was a really it was a great Don story. And you know, he finished fifth last year. He backs it up. He he got on the podium this year. Yeah, you forgot the best part was last year Don took a gel after he he pulled he sat up. So, right, that's right. <laughs> so what happened this year? I will tell you. Let me just let me just jump in here and say that I, I knew that we were going to talk about this. I like to try to be uh, professional on our um, hobbyist uh, um, podcast, uh, but um, I I. I couldn't get into the races. I got I, I watched part of it, and I just you know gone through Go Cross and everything. I, I don't know. This is this was a weekend of existential crises, and this this seemed like another one where I I, I wasn't psyched to watch European cyclocross. So you all can change my mind, and then I will go back and watch it. Michael, how about this? Okay. Uh, the winner of the women's race, kind of your girl. Like you're, you've been a backer. So how yeah. about I do the men? First, since we're on that, and then you, you handle the women. Okay. All right. All right. So really quick, I was lamenting. I said, Tone Arts is over. He's done. I made a terrible overstatement. Tone was back in the mix. He was mixing it up. He was riding well, and then he flatted in lap six and kind of went away. Ailey rides away. He takes the dub. He said it was really hard. He saw some dudes who were crashing. I mean, it was it was just I, this. It was like washed out. It was dry as a bone. Uh, Lars Vanderhaar apparently dislocated his shoulder, which I wrote about in all caps in the bolt. I don't understand that. Last time I dislocated my shoulder, if there had not been ski patrol at the place I was skiing at, I would have died because I couldn't move. He's just like, whoop, I'm gonna pop it back in and finish second. Yeah, did so. he do? Did he do like a lethal weapon thing and just sort of like raw and like knock it back? You know. Knock well, it out to get out of a straight jacket and then just knock it back in and get up and uh, keep riding. That's what I'm picturing. I see. I love that this is my notes, but I went with a different way. I thought we have a new nickname for Lars is Riggs. Riggs Vanderhart. We're both there. We're both yeah. on the same on the same page. Yeah, it is. It is unbelievable that like you saw there's an interview with Sven on the sidelines. Like, yeah, we were kind of hoping Lars would be up there, and then you find out later, and then then here comes Lars through the back of the pack, slowly making his way up, and he gets second. And then they find at the end, yeah, he dislocated his shoulder. Unbelievable. Um, I'm awarding Lars the uh, Gruden Grinder of the Day award. <laughs> I, so apparently there's different level. I've heard that like there can be slight dislocations. I had full-on dislocation. It's the most excruciating pain that I've ever experienced. And if you offered me like a cyanide pill when I had that happen to me, I probably would have <laughs> taken it. Like It was truly that horrible the three times I've done it. So kudos to Lars. He was... He was back in the race. He was back with from his shoulder. He was finishing second. That's two silvers for him. Still waiting for for Tone uh, to to step up and, and get a good result. But I think this is a uh, a step in the right direction. That's the men, Michael. 
Yeah, so let's let's go to the women's race. You mentioned it, Yara. You know, Yara is definitely a rider of interest on the media pit. I think we've we've watched her kind of kind of come out with that big Koppenberg win that year. She, in twenty nineteen, she had four victories, and then last year, just kind of very middler status. You know, almost never was in the sub topper group. Um, but you know, Zach, you tipped her in the bulletin, and I, and as the arbiter of the bump, she got the bulletin bump. And she, as you said in your race report, she Betsima Betsima went out hard, and that was kind of it. And you know what? You know that's that course has some technical descents, some nice like little shoots. Um, like you said, very dry, very dusty. A lot of people falling out. There's no grip. She rode really well, and we know that she's kind of has not done so well in the technical stuff. So just to see her climb well, which she does do, and then to combine that with the good descending, I'm. I might have to buy early on Yara. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a big win. Can I jump in? Just I, I think maybe this speaks to like Yara kind of overcoming some of her shortcomings. But there was that section where after they get to the top, it's like a steep descent into an off camber where you had to dismount, like slide and go straight back up a hill. And some of the other riders were riding further. And I think she just totally had it dialed of just getting off her bike and going right to the run. So it's almost like... I don't know that she had practiced or whatever, but I think like, you know, Van Empel, especially in the race and Betsma were like riding a little too far and really got tripped up where she just totally, it was one of the situations where she committed to the run. I think it really paid off, um, which was, I, was an interesting little tidbit uh, that caught my eye in watching her uh, early in the race. So I love it. I mean, Yara is a, a Bolton favorite uh, and you love to, you love to see it. She, I, like we said, she was upset after that first race. Uh, this was tailor made, Tiara Castellan and Michael there's like there's like we, we didn't even talk of all like the the influx of Dutch we had a new we had a, not a new Dutchie but a Dutchie who had a an abbreviated 2020 uh are you talking about Sheeran of course yeah she had a strong great race good uh, she, I mean that was like her and Yara who both had promising seasons 2019 not good in 2020 uh coming back it was great to see uh, that was that was really cool actually I'm I'm pretty excited. Like, if Trek can actually now finally, like, if she can do that for the Trek uh, team and, and really take it to the sauces this year, that's going to be fun. Do we know why she was out there racing cross with the world championships going on? Or is she there now? Or is this just... Because didn't it, didn't it seem like she was more of a... a and maybe somebody out there in bulletin land can tell us. Uh, she seemed like more of a road racer, right? That was her first discipline and then cross was maybe second or or maybe that shifted i don't know I, w- I was just surprised that she wasn't racing on the road but admittedly had not been following what she had been doing it could also be a brand situation where you're on track you're coming to the u.s i mean <laughs> right you gotta I don't get know. ready I, yeah well yeah, she all, like, yeah and this is also you know much it's kind of funny that europe has finally figured it out like the u.s has lost its uh its preseason advantage I guess not because we're later, so these races may have been happening. But when we were racing UCI races in August in years past, and it was always the advantage of shooting up the points list before the Euros even thought about racing. Now everyone's on an equal ground. You know, we got races in Roanoke and we got races going on in Belgium. So, all right, we did it. Euro corner, you tipped it. American racing. We wanna we wanna talk this to death. So like. Let's hit it. Go cross. Huge week. I mean, we've we've covered this on the the bulletin like a trillion times. We've covered this on this podcast, but 
jockeying for position, uh, you know, in terms of the UCI points. I'll just get out of the way. Bill, the CX Hairs Devo team is having a moment. I mean, one of your riders had a great ride on Saturday. One of your other riders, number four North American in the UCI <laughs> rankings, and she's a junior. You're having a moment, Bill. It's, yeah, I, I mean, a moment, asterisk. I mean, it's awesome. We are super proud of Catherine Sarkisov and, and, and the whole team uh, for, for what they've done. She's just in this position in that she's racing these, she raced two UCI junior races. She did really well in them, was able to win both races, got full points for them. And the way the UCI women's points work, it's just, it's, it's, it's just one big bucket and all of the points go into the same bucket. If they're junior points, if they're U23 points, or if they're elite points. So as it stands right now, right, she's 33rd in the world and the first junior in the world. So it's, it's, it's kind of cool, but you know, um, it's, it's something to, that's really neat, and we'll see where it all shakes out, and then we'll get to it. But, yeah, uh, Andrew Strohmeyer is also on the CX Harris Devo squad. Uh, went in there and, um, you know, played, played a little bit of a, of a disruptor in the, uh, in the elite race in day one. And um, yeah, I, I think it was kind of neat that uh, the, the status quo wasn't too happy to see him there. So. Well, should we just jump? Should we do the men folk first? Because sure. we we're, we yeah. like we like keeping things flowing here. Uh, so, I mean, interesting story with with Andrew Stromer. I think he is one of the stories of the first day. But there's as a junior, you get UCI points, even though you get them and they're in the same bucket, they don't carry over. So every U twenty three starts at the back. Andrew, you, I know you guys tried valiantly to get him to Europe last year. It just didn't happen. So he's actually, a, even though he's a second-year U23, he's a first-year U23. So he started He started at, at the back. Uh, yeah. You know, for your team, I, I know it's a rider that we looked at. Huge unknown, right? And I, 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 feel, I feel for the kids so much. You know, those years of development are so crucial. I know he got to do a little bit of racing in Roanoke against Kerry or whatever. You know, what... What were you guys feeling? You know, where's he been at? How's he been getting his training in and kind of getting getting that edge uh, to come out and really do what he did? He's been tra- he's been racing on the road. He, you know, he goes to Lee's McRae, so he's down there racing with them. He's racing mountain bikes, so he's coming in 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 shape and 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 ready to roll. And he is a smart and really mature racer, and just kind of knows how to how to read a race yeah and he was like six i think we had seven rows michael and uh he started eight <laughs> each and he started on the sixth row and Bunch of day ofs <laughs> i was talking about the women's race that's what i was talking about <laughs> but yeah he came in there and he was you know there were there were six guys behind him when they went up the starting grid made the first turn onto the course <laughs> and he just kept working his way up and was able to the way the race played out on day one it was a little more cat and mouse it was a little more uh together uh, um yeah i think everybody's just feeling feeling what people are going to do and he was able in a couple laps to really just scream up the the side of the um field and uh get into that get into that fr- uh, front group before it really started separating from the from the rest of the pack which was which was pretty cool so I got a question for you guys. Last year we saw, I was thinking about this the other day, last year we saw in 2020, it was like this big unknown, right? Like, where was your training? 
what's going on. And we had a lot of surprises across disciplines of like people who weren't in shape, people who kind of surprised people. It seems like, you know, just looking at the flow of these races, the result sheets, it seems like we're kind of back to normal. I mean, you know, there's a position for a Strohmeyer to make his move because he's a kid, like he's a young dude. And that's what we love to see. But like, it was kind of like the same old, same, same story. It was uh, familiar characters at the front of both these elite races. Yeah, and and even right. So if we go, if we just go down, I mean the the the, the top two, it's just it's deja vu all over again. I mean we're looking at at Curtis White and 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 Kerry Warner again, and especially at Go Cross where they started out in 2019 and they split. The only difference here, you know, it's not a spoiler because you've read all of all of Zach's stuff on the bulletin. <laughs> Curtis was able to take them both days, and as it stands right now. Curtis is a stronger rider. I mean, Curtis is just really racing at a different level than anyone else in the men's field, and it's not- noticeable. He he could have done he could have whatever strategy he wanted to use. It was going it was going to be executed. I a little bit of this. I should I should backtrack a little bit because I think Kerry had the opportunity to win day one, and I think Curtis probably is kicking himself a little bit for not trying to make more moves and it coming down to a sprint. And that could have been, I mean, it could have been a different story. We would have been talking about a split. So Kerry's up there, but I think that day two really showed that Curtis was on a different level. So Michael, here's my question for you. Uh, I think Bill kind of alluded because we, we established like Curtis didn't actually need to race. Like he had the UCI points. He was going to be the number one call up like, but, you know, do you, I, I, do you think Curtis is going to miss a scrap where all the boys are there? I don't think so. Michael, like, did Curtis send a postcard message? Did he write a letter? Uh, did, he, did he send a message? Was it an email? Uh, did he make a statement? Because I, I, I think, like, I think day two especially, and we'll get to it, I think, I think uh, things were transmitted through the air. What do you, what do you think? I think, I, think he sent a, I think he did send a statement with a big stamp uh especially day two and i you know i've only seen the covers that bill did which was awesome but and i read some of the um and read the reports but it it does sound like he was ready like he came in hot i mean it's a big like this we gotta next week is rochester uscx starts off world cups three in a row like curtis seems like the guy you know he does a podcast so you kind of get a little bit insight into where he's at like he did some crit racing. He's he was itching to go. If, if you could tell that guy was ready to do it and ready to hit it hard. And I, you know, look, he had a battle with Kerry all in 2019. He's lining up against Stephen Hyde, who's kind of coming back into the fold, who is sort of, you know, was the the boss on his team back in the day. So to be able to open up the season with uh two wins in the bank, I think he's got to be feeling pretty strong. And yeah, that's a statement with a big stamp. Big Big forever stamp. I will say this. If you were trying to win those races, you know, you're, you, you talk to people in the, in the midfield and stuff, and they're like, well, we're just racing our race. That's what they say. We're, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to race my race. If you were at the front of the race on both days, no matter what the results ended up being, and it was that Curtis won, you were racing Curtis's race on both of those days. Hmm. You were not racing your own race. You were racing Curtis's race because nobody was able to go out and make a t- you know make a move in front of him. Even even there were certain times where other people went out there and led. We'll talk about Michael Vandenham, who did 
great in on day one and even even is sort of kicking himself a little bit because he was, you know, and he said he wasn't sure if he was confident or what, but he went out front. He started leading a couple laps and and Curtis was kind of in that in that uh, Vanderpool in that Sven spot, you know, three, four back, just sort of just sort of lurking and and waiting. And then day two, he was just like, pedal down, we're going, guys. You can either come or you can get left behind. And and that's so it really I mean, he was the guy out there who was who was making the moves. Maybe petition to maybe it's cross sport called at the Blevin spot. Oh, okay. Just, just lurking, waiting, waiting. So I listened to, I mean, God, I, I listened to a, like a good hour and a half of interviews about this race. So I think you, you, I heard a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it was interesting. Curtis talking about his training. He was talking, we saw him try to do unbound and he kind of, kind of blew up in the heat, uh, there, but he talked about the depth of his training. And I think we saw him just, extending these efforts and just being like i don't know it's the the new like we might see like a wout do just be like i have like so much power and i'm just going to apply it for a very long uh period of time but he talked a lot about um you know sizing up carrie and to his credit he said i did not find any weaknesses in carrie warner on day one um but he also talked too about you know i think the thing that we'll have to look for is his technical skills uh, you know, Curtis, consummate professional. I mean, I respect the shit out of him just because of how dedicated he is. But he talked about driving the number of weekends that he had. He drove out to Western Mass to ride with Powers and Donahue and Hyde and just get his, you know, kind of get his shit rocked on this technical stuff. And, you know, he said that he was able to to commit to these attacks on the uphills, but then also carry speed through them, you know, where that's been Kerry Werner's kind of advantage in the past. And, um, I guess my closing point, I was just, I kind of wonder how much in this carry V, uh, uh, Kenny V Curdy battle that Curtis is really going to benefit from that year in Europe. I think that he took it so professionally and for them, it was this committed period of, of just being dedicated to cyclocross and you just listen to his podcast and, you know, we interviewed him and just the knowledge that he gained about how to race at the highest level. I just kind of wonder if Kerry is really going to be lacking, you know, not in skill or whatever, but just, you know, Curtis got like a cycle cross immersion study abroad that is just invaluable, I think, last year. Yeah. And it's, it's, what's interesting is that the, the, the play, what you pointed out and the, the parts where you would think maybe Kerry would have the advantage, especially on the climbs, that was Curtis. I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a bigger guy, you know, he's a tall dude. Uh, but, he he was exploding up the climbs and the thing i there were a couple i love all all the when i put my track walk up there some uh actually it wasn't on mine because there are like eight track walks out there i think it was a comment on curtis's because he has a bigger euro contingency and you know some guy was like oh the amateur courses in your in uh, belgium are tougher than this course but the thing is you can't see the elevation change right. and frank deal who's the 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 race organizer and also the the course designer out here from what he had two or three years ago to now it, on the exact same venue it just the 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 pro level of this course has just elevated like Vandenham's never been there and he's like you know this looks really good for us because you come in here and just with all the fencing but also the course itself how it's set up there's nothing stupid on it and just all of the nice like rutted out off cambers and then super steep climbs including the one right before the finish which is brand new he's like this is really professional i mean this is the kind of stuff that we need to be racing on so that was it was really kudos i think to to those guys down there 
Well, let's do this. Like, I feel like I might just be completely off base here, but my understanding is that let's just say for for sake that this happened. Kerry Warner lives in Roanoke. He put he made input into this course. I thought I heard that Kerry suggested they add that last kicker. That last kicker cost him the dub. Yeah, uh, on that course, it's it's just really neat that this small change, you know, because Curtis said as much. He's like, if I had five more feet in 2019, I would have won the Sunday Sprint. Yeah, Kerry was like, if I had five less feet, I win. Right. Well, that's the thing. The the beginning and the end both were significantly harder, and I thought it made it made it, it a better race. You know, it, we'll we'll talk about the place that Becca crashed out was on the start, the new start climb that you know was right off of the of the of this uh, finishing straight where they make that first turn. So it was it was it was really yeah. I was I was really excited to see the changes in there, and that's a that's a track that I think that if you race UCI races in North America and haven't made the trip down to Roanoke, you're, you're missing out. It's one to definitely go do. So the other thing that I love, I would love seeing, like we talked about, uh, we talked about this actually last week. We talked about the, uh, the anonymous rider survey and one uh, second favorite favorite. How do you say it with the U favorite? <laughs> uh, our second favorite Canadian. He's a little pissed off. And I love that he was just like in his post-race interview, he's like, I raced out the chip on my shoulder. I came out and I was like, I have something to prove. And you know what? He did. I, you know, I think it's great. Maybe he did too much work, but you know, it's sounding from him. He didn't know where he, third place is a great finish for, for Michael Vandenham to kind of send a little mess. Everyone, but like Gage was well, Gage Brunner, everybody Gage and Brunner were there. Like, I mean, he made it clear that like, Hey guys, like I'm pretty good. You may remember this. Like, I finished 17th at a World Cup last year. All, none of y'all are doing that. Like, I thought it was a great. Love. Yeah, I think that was a great result for Vandeham on that on that first day. Um, and just to to see the 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 narrative of the anonymous survey. I mean, look, talk about a bump. He went from ninth in the anonymous survey to third on day one. So that that that's a heat check. So, Bill, I don't know how, how yeah, your algorithm's going. It did not. It did not pass him by. That uh, at the uh, I have the audio clip. It was not in this um, in the in the highlights that I put out there. But it's still it's still stashed away at the end of his interview. He's like, yeah, when this heat check comes out, I better not be ninth. <laughs> but I, I love it. I mean, I, it. I think it's I you know, and I appreciate all the 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 athletes that have been engaging with the bulletin content and stuff. Like this is what we want to see. Like this is why this is actually why we do this is to to create this interest and to have these stories like this. So kudos to you, Michael Vandenham. I mean, he's always, he's been a friend of the bulletin since we launched it. I love that, you know, I think he reads it on a regular basis. But interact. Tell us we're wrong. I mean, we weren't wrong in that case because that was your peers, but like this is what we want. <laughs> I, I will say that. I, I witnessed people other than myself coming up and telling him that he was also their second favorite Canadian. <laughs> but no one knows who the first favorite Canadian is. It'll, it's a mystery uh, that will go on forever. Uh, day one, any other results that kind of kind of stand out? I mean, I think we hit a lot of uh, some of the big narratives and we talked about Stroh to, to lead this off. Um, I've been all day. I've just been, uh, and this is totally inappropriate because uh, Andrew is at U23 and he's not yet of drinking age, but coming up with like beer related uh, <laughs> uh, theme songs for him and memes and stuff. So I feel, I feel like by the time he hits 21, I'm just going to be doing CX Hairs Devo 
social media with like Strohmeyer beer memes. Yeah, we need the Stroh's uh, sponsorship. So yeah, Van and Ham and Strohmeyer had had a really nice battle. Uh, Van and Ham was able to, you know, get him get him in the actually the last last third of the of the final lap to take the last podium spot. Interesting, a couple interesting notes from day one to day two. Both Stephen Hyde and Lance Hayden really did not handle the heat well, and then were able to bounce back, as we'll talk about in day two. No difference in the heat. It was just as hot day two as it was day one. So I thought that was really interesting, where they were able to uh, do better, figure it out. I think Lance, actually, and we'll talk about, had a really nice um, plan going into day two and was able to to fix the things that I think he felt like he didn't do right in day one. And then Vanningham just, it, he... You know, and he told me, he was like, yeah, it was just the, it was like, it was the smart thing to do to pull the plug. He just, he just was, was really affected by the heat in day two, but he was like, but I still did it too late. I should have, I should have dropped out earlier. So, you know, I, you know, hopefully he'll back, bounce back for Rochester and we'll be at a little, little cooler day. Another, another guy, uh, I guess, um, who did better on day two from day one, who just got into, uh, our man Dizzle, our man Dizzle came, came off the starting um, stretch, railed the turn, hit the barrier trying to ride it, ripped his tubular off of his wheel, and then Caleb Swartz got caught up behind him and then was just caught in no man land. But I think Caleb's another guy worth watching. He's he's uh, he's looking pretty strong. I want to just give a quick shout-out to uh, Scott McGill, who, Bill, we saw ripping it up at uh, Armed Forces being in the season for Avolo. Coming in, racing a little cross. Um, also, apparently racing in road shoes yeah. on his Instagram. I saw him post that. And then I guess someone hooked him up with uh, <laughs> mountain bike shoes for day two. So I like seeing Scott, which, and then he he beats our boy on day one. He beats our boy Lancey. Yeah. Oh, who, and Scott uh, Bruner got sick, and that's why he wasn't he wasn't there. He was supposed to be there as well. Ah. Uh, uh. Yeah, Eric, two, Eric two people. Excuse me. Yeah, Eric two Bruner. people shouted out uh, McGill actually in the anonymous survey of a rider to keep your eye on. So the riders know. Although you know, we say that and they clearly got Van Ham wrong. So like, I, I I don't know what kind of credit <laughs> to give to our our collective Borg. My last parting thought is uh, Curtis. Curtis is probably the first rider I've ever heard an in interview say I actually race really well in the heat. Like he said that. Like you, every other person that's ever talked about bike racing. I personally think everyone's a little bit of a softy having grown up playing basketball in the height of summer with no air conditioning in my gym. Like I just learned how to, to deal with it, but you know, everyone's like, Oh, it hits 75. Well, that's way too hot. But Curtis, you got a point from me for saying that you, you, you like the heat. So I was, I was joking with, uh, Brandon fix, uh, and his, his, uh, his crew just cause they were all just dying from the humidity coming, coming from Colorado. I was like, look, we have to go there and deal with your altitude. It's just, you know, it's the it's the balancing of the scales. You can come here and uh, have to deal with the with the uh, uh, humidity. And I was telling him, look, for very cheap, you can do a humidity tent and just acclimate, just like you know people have to do for the altitude. Just put a tent outside and go try to sleep in it. That's what camping's like on the East Coast. It's not fun. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, or like uh, when I get stuck on Zwift in the height of the summer in my apartment, you can just come here and that's my, <laughs> that's my secret. So uh, the elite women, uh, we had, uh, I, I feel like becoming regulars here. 
uh, we had, you know, a couple of riders at the front, but, you know, we talked about our goal, our, our obsession with, with the, uh, drive to survive. And I think that we're going to, we're going to do a better job, uh, covering the midfield this year. So, you know, going, going deep into, I think this was a big opportunity for, for the midfield, uh, here at go cross, you know, a couple, a couple hitters at the front. Um, but you know, uh, we'll see one rider who made their way to the front, but then the chance for kind of some of the midfielders to, to really kind of get some good results. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you talk about the, the, the two knowns at the top, it's, you know, uh, Carolyn Mani and Becca Farringer, when they come to Roanoke, you pretty much know that they're going to be on the podium. And we had, uh, Sonny Gilbert as well was one who, um, crashed on day one. And then I just, I, just, I, I, as much as I was saying, everybody should come to Roanoke. I'm just thinking maybe, maybe Sonny should stay away from Roanoke. (laughs) It's just yeah. not good ooh, luck for her. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so kind of a, I, I, I like Caroline Money. I do. Like, she's fun. Um, you know, I think that, like, she's always very open. She's a great interview. Uh, you know, um, it's just, <laughs> I was cracking up, like, listening, you know, transcribing her interview after the race. Uh, but, you know, she was forthcoming. Like, she had a rough 2020. Uh, and I think the last few years, she's kind of been in this situation where her personal, some things going on are kind of chaotic and stuff. Like, she was working in retail and trying to train and then still had this amazing 2019. Like, she was incredible. Like, I mean, she came out. She was in the mix. She was in the conversation every single domestic race. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I, I contacted her earlier this year because I was like, well, I want to include you in my way too early power rankings because you're the X factor. Uh, and I'm like, are you racing? And she was like, her response was like, uh, I'm out of shape. Hopefully I get back in shape. If not, I'm done. Uh, Bill, <laughs> she looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And she's she's more than happy to tell you that training is overrated and she doesn't train. So I, I don't know what it is that she's doing but uh it seems to be paying off she's yeah she she looked great she's just talking to her you know zach you and i both have talked to her plenty of times over the last couple years and just seems seems like she's just just in such a better place now and seems really happy and is out there and and is still still able to be the wily veteran that is not only i think more powerful than anybody else out there, but also just, just smarter. And that's what, that's what Becca was talking about on day one. It it was that I I think that Becca really enjoyed that. She, because we know, we know Becca's an analytical person and she likes to, she, she's so, she wants facts. She wants to be able to solve puzzles and this and Carolyn money and how she races at go cross is a puzzle for her. And she thought that she, she had it solved. You know, she, she was, not going to even though carolyn was telling her throughout the race to go out there and get on the front because they didn't want you know anybody to catch up like becca was not falling for it and she she was not (laughs) pulling her around for the whole race you know they were they were kind of equally sharing the work and it's just it just happened at the last lap it's still just you know she couldn't solve it you know carolyn's just still stronger and and was able to to pull away on on one of the climbs and then that was all the separation that she needed, but I think that Becca came away from that race. You know, I mean, she was down a couple seconds with, um, I mean, feeling good about it that she's, you know, getting, was getting close at that point to, to figuring out how to race money. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things about Carolyn. It's, you know, I, I she's a fan favorite because she literally wears her heart on her sleeve. I mean, I, don't they call her like the manimal or something? I mean, like just all out facial expressions. But in her interviews, she'll tell you every detail of her personal life. And yeah, I think that she she plays it down. She's just like, oh, I don't like people. This is what she kept saying. I was like, I don't like. And this is like, you know, beneath that, like I, backing up a step, she's finished second at the world championship. She was ranked number two in the world that year. So we forget that like Carolyn Money is an insanely talented rider that we're very lucky to have like truly, I mean, a world podium caliber, you know, woman's racer who's just decided to live in the U.S. I feel like we're lucky to to yeah. have that. And yeah, I think she plays it off that like, oh, I just raced hard. You know, I'm I'm Evie Richards, age 19. But you're right. Like she's she's an intelligent bike racer. Like you don't get that far in bike racing being an intelligent bike racer. Michael, I, w- I want to give you full credit for um for the third place bump because I was I was inspired by your coverage of USA Crits and kind of pointing out how well Erica Zavetta was doing in in those races and I was I was pumping her up and you heard it in the in the interview I was I was putting that in her mind all weekend I was like Crit Watts got those Crit Watts <laughs> it's all about the Crit Watts <laughs> <laughs> so she she would she made a point to, to shout out the crit watts after uh after that performance she looked i she was she was my we had talked about it offline she was my dark horse coming in i thought that she was gonna just with that experience racing on the road that she was gonna come in hot this year and 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 she is she looks amazing out there i thought it was interesting that she talked about sort of the experiences and the crits sort of gave her the confidence to do it in the cross which you kind of you think of them like like, you know, crit, you're in a pack, a bunch of people and cross, you're sort of on your own individually and it's a technical thing. But like really that, that sort of that being able to sort of like ride that little line of danger was like, you can do that, like get it translate. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think the other thing that she was saying was the, the mental game of, of having to hang on in a breakaway. That's just yeah, that's right. going all out is a really good parallel to hanging on to the front group of of a cross race I, i'm sure it's similar it's it's one of those things that you know once you once you let go you're never get of that group you're never getting it back and it's i think it's the same way in both of those disciplines and she really was able to hang on longer you know eventually uh she was not able to keep up with uh money and Ferringer, but then she dropped back and hannah aaron's been another one another one that we've seen out there for years who i think is really starting to find her own in this in this elite field and it's going to be really interesting i think with erica and hannah i'm really curious to see how they're going to do in the next couple weeks with with these bigger races and if they're still able to perform we say hannah's been around hannah just graduated out of u23 she raced u23 worlds in 2020 uh, in Switzerland. So you say that and like, um, she's fun to watch. I remember watching her. She won the, God, it would, was she would have been varsity. I think she won the collegiate varsity race in Reno. And there was this little, the little dippy swale that very few people were riding and she was hopping it. I mean, she does great technical rider, uh, really crafty, as a bike racer. And yeah, I mean, she's been, <laughs> she's one of those that's been up and coming for so long and just hanging out and starting to, to build. I think that she's one uh, that can put something together. And uh, to 
you know, Erica Zavetta has been racing for over a decade, like, but she, she has these moments and that's like, we, I would love to see if like this crit experience, if this confidence, like I'm just looking at the results, like two years ago, she finished fifth in the Rochester C1. And if you look at her results, you'll see these ones that pop up where you're just kind of like, oh, she's here. Like she can do this. So I think, you know, even though she's a little bit older, kind of entering her thirties, I think that Zavetta is one of those riders that, man, she's got this insane level of talent, like and it pops up every so often and would love to see her be consistent with it and just, you know, do these finished on the podium or as more riders come back, start to be in that conversation for a top five on a consistent basis. Cause she can clearly do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just, uh, a couple other notables, Crystal Anthony, you know, she, as she noted to me in her day two interview, needed a couple more hours of this race until she was able to, um, really do what you wanted to do she's still got that that gravel that gravel power <laughs> gravel endurance but she's she's looking good i mean she's she's always super strong and such a smart racer uh raylan nuss got caught up in a little crash which uh you know we'll talk <laughs> she got hers out of the way in day one um and ended up in uh sixth place and the last one just to point out is uh emily werner talk about your vlog bump uh haven't i mean a seventh place is a is a fantastic result for uh for Emily I think that that's um gosh that has to be 10 or 15 places higher than she was in Rochester I mean uh, Roanoke last year yeah double sevens home vlog bump uh home course bump yeah. so sleeping in her. your own sleeping in your own bed the Sherman Shields bump there's so many different bumps like to, <laughs> I think they all just compounded here as Carrie says, you can just coast downhill to the course from his house. So yeah, yeah, good for her. Awesome to see. I do love. I do have to point out. Uh, I know our friend of the uh, Everything CX Hairs, Taylor Jones, pointed out that like this should be taken seriously. But there was this great local story. It was like local couple uh, racing cyclocross race, and it's I love watching local news coverage of cyclocross. It's just great. Uh, but I believe Emily is is racing for Ken's Bike Shop. Yes, I it, yeah. I mean, could you? Could you, Bill, could you get any better Zvenergy than that? <laughs> it's amazing. She's, uh, she's working. She's uh, racing for Kenny. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. <I> even... <laughs> uh, the world works in, in mysterious ways. Day two. Day two. Where should we start? Should we get back over to the men? Let's do that. Day two. Day two looked uh a little bit like day one. Actually, it looked different. So they came out of the blocks just just on fire. Uh, Ghost of Vandermeer, who's over from the Netherlands and is uh, hanging out with the Jam Fund for a couple months and racing all the races. He's kind of a he's 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 a good follow on 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 social media. Kind of a vagabond. We'll go out and race anything. Saw him a couple years ago at Epic Rides, uh, doing all those mountain bike races and just just out there doing whatever he wants. But he he was on day one. He was like, oh, it's way too hot to race fast. Way too hot. And then he was just like shot out of a cannon. I was like, okay, were you just gonna like? outrun the heat or something and, you know <laughs> took the whole shot <laughs> led the race much to the head scratching of the rest of the field for uh, about i think a lap and a half or so and really just ramped up the speed and you know we talked about andrew strohmeyer uh and his success moving up in the field just was not you know with that with it being strung out so fast at the beginning he had a much tougher time doing that on day two and then, you know, just to finish the thought on, on Strohmeyer, 
his reputation was already out there and he was in the third group and just dealing with a bit of a bit of negative racing already. They were not letting him go. Every time he was like, and, and he's a little guy. And he was like, every time I try to come around, they're either just pushing me into the tape or just uh <laughs> just you know, blocking me out out from getting around. He's like, and I I felt like they weren't going that fast, but there was nothing I could do. I couldn't get out of there. It's the ultimate welcome to the big leagues. Kid. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, love, I love it. You know what? Like I no one was hurt. Like, right. uh, I, I like that. I think it gets some, some fire in the belly. And I mean, looking at his UCI points though, like he still picked up a point finished in 10th and he's going to have first or second, probably second row call up position, uh, in Rochester this week coming up. I would, I would believe so that fourth place on day one and then 10th on day two is just a, you couldn't have asked for a better outcome for him going forward. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't have to go through half of his matchbook just getting up to the leaders. All right, let's let's talk about the front. What was different about this race, and you know, I think uh, our man, if uh, if you haven't, uh, Bruce Buckley, MVP of the weekend in my book, like uh, you know, he got interviews with top three, four riders uh, that allowed me to do race reports. Like he delivered photos, just everywhere. Um, But you know, he also he's the official photographer of North American Cyclocross, and he was talking to Curtis, where uh, you know, one race remember Bill is uh, Rochester Day Two of 19 where you know we had the euros in the field and it was the day after the c1 and you still had you know Hyde was still the man and and Curtis just sent it probably 40 minutes into the race so pretty early whereas he's kind of waited till the end but man he just he was just like nah I mean almost zero waiting around on Sunday yeah on Saturday Carrie kind of threw a little shade at Strohmeyer for letting a gap go, as he says, you know, and when uh, Curtis went and then he had to go and, and shut it down. There was nobody to blame for, for what happened on Sunday, even if there was on Saturday, which I'm not, I think that Kerry uh, was just frustrated. But yeah, Curtis just decided a couple laps in that he was just going to go. And, and I don't think that, and it it was necessarily in his mind a winning move but it was just a a big test for everyone he's like it was basically hey boys let's let's see where everybody's at and and that's exactly what happened we we figured out who could do what yeah it seems like kind of uh they talk a lot about uh i think he might have talked about you know hey we raced some of us raced against each other in europe or whatever but if you're if you're a male i mean if you're anyone racing in europe you're not racing the other north americans you're just in full-on like scramble mode and it seemed like just looking at kind of how things shook out maybe that's kind of was the test for the other potential toppers and then dabbling down into the midfield it was just kind of like all hands on deck uh and so long story short carrie bridged it was great like we did a it was a story in four parts (laughs) carrie bridged uh lance bridged and then curtis was like as caroline mine would say i was like bye bye now yeah, it was, and to Lance's credit, he the the what I talked about before with the the lessons learned from day one is he really made the decision not to kill himself and try to take the long view and be at the front of that next group and then really work at his own pace and and try to crawl back into it. And he, he he successfully did it, and he was in a he was in a good group there for a while with uh, Hyde and Funston, and the three of them worked really well together and, until they 
were able to pull them back a little bit. And then, and then Lance was just able to go. And it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, that, that was kind of the most exciting part of the race because you had Curtis and Kerry out there, and then you're just watching Lance just slowly reel them in and slowly reel them in, while in the back of your head, everyone knew what was going to happen, including Lance. He said as much. He's like, I, I knew. And he was like, and Curtis just showed no mercy. As soon as Lance tacked onto the back of the group, he was like, hey, Lance, how you doing? see you later and he was gone <laughs> yeah i think that uh i mean i don't it just seems like to me curtis is racing with the chip on his shoulder uh i mean i come back to it like he was he had a great year in 2019 he has still not won the national championship i mean I, I guarantee he thinks about that on a regular basis and it's just like he's trying to make his stamp put his stamp uh on the season and just kind of let everyone know hey, here's what's going on. So it'll be it'll be interesting uh, in Rochester. I have not, I keep checking every day. I've not seen Gage Hecht raced out uh, locally in Colorado. He took the dub. Haven't seen him on the start list. We know that, um, we don't know kind of what his plan is. We know that Vincent, uh, our boy Vinny Bastans will be on the, the start list. He had a good start to the first Atheist Cross race and got a decent result. So, I mean, you know, I think this will be a pretty similar uh, similar cast of characters next weekend in Rochester and or this weekend in in Rochester. Um, so he has that. And then I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Like Chris Blevins is on the fucking start list for Charm City. Like I don't. This is the most excited I've been about about someone racing cyclocross that I can remember. I mean, I'm so stoked. Like I really hope that they throw down. Because uh, I don't care what Chris Blevins can start on the eighteen thousandth row. I'm mean, my God, like that dude's rolling. I'm so stoked for two weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, some other some other performances here worth noting. Hyde had a better day too, as I as I said, and I think he's, I think he's, I think he's feeling, I think he's feeling okay with the weekend. I don't think he came. I mean, I think he would have been very happy to win both days, but I think that he's kind of figuring out where he's at, and I think that he's. He's in a place where, yeah, we might we might see the re- return of high. Awesome to see uh, Dizzle Dillman out there. Um, you know, as I mentioned, had a, had some issues on day one, came back strong on day two, fifth place finish. Uh, Scott Funston took the uh, top U twenty three on day two. He looked really good. Brandon Fix in the you know starting to starting to race well. Really, I think he had issues with the heat on day one and looked uh, really good on day. Two followed by McGill after him. So it's kind of this, you know, early to mid twenties set that's uh, just nipping at the at the heels of these uh, guys out front. Let's well, also, I mean, just want to mention uh, Ben Frederick kind of turned it around from day one. You know, thanks to the bulletin, I'm hearing about his new team and and what he's got got set up this year with the Small Monsters Project. So that was. You know, I, I asked you guys that he didn't he didn't have a good result on Saturday, and then it sounded like it just kind of you know the heat got to him or whatever, and and uh, but ninth place, I'm that's good to see Ben. I I bet he'll be up there a little higher. I don't know. I think it's uh, on on the Richie too on the steel cross bike. So the the women's race very eventful. Um, I mean, start out. Uh, Raylan Nuss is a rider that um, big year for her. Uh, she, I think, has aspirations to be in that conversation uh, up at the front. You know, she started 
she's in charge, I believe, of the Tilford Foundation team that includes Stephen Hyde. So she's kind of doing logistics, uh, quit her job, and is kind of focusing on this full-time. Comes from a basketball background. So Bill and I are obviously a fan, and uh, she has a very kind of more aggressive racing style that I think that you bring from that. Because you, you play basketball, you're used to contact. It's just kind of the way things are. So she got out there really quick, too. So we had really quick, we had money. Right, Bill, we had Mani Ferringer and Raylan Nuss uh, making it a little bit different. And then typical Mani form, new bike, she's on Fuji this year, uh, dropped her chain. <laughs> yeah, half half a lap in. Uh, and it, it was interesting. Um, I mean, and we'll, we'll get to the crash, but you know, Nuss after the race was like, Oh, I expected to, to see her again. So it's just kind of like everyone knew that she was gonna come back, but then that kind of like turns this crash into was it really necessary kind of thing based on kind of what we've gathered and you know i don't necessarily know that anyone saw it uh there was one person there um it was you know, nuss and and Farringer were involved but it's the two were at the front um and so it's just kind of, one of the questions was was it the right place to to kind of make a move and to to cause this kind of incident to happen especially knowing that eventually money is like you're not going to win the race in lap yeah. three so it, after after the start you, you come through the finish line, it's on pavement, you take this right-hand turn onto the grass, but there are also some big trees planted there. So you go up a hill and sort of take this wide left-hand turn, this sweeping left-hand turn around the trees and then sort of cut in towards them. And it was, it was that cut in that's pretty sharp that R- Raylan and Becca were fighting to get position and the advantage uh, coming out of that turn, and and they came together. And I, uh, you know, I, 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 Becca ended up crashing. She ended up good. The, the pits were maybe a hundred meters away, so she was able to make it to the pits, but didn't even didn't even look for a new bike. Just uh, stopped. She had hit her head and and came off the came off the course. And she was, I mean, super upset. I, I was in the same area at the time, so I tried to chat with her for a second and she just didn't in, in, in a rare Becca moment, she was like, I I'm not comfortable with what I'm going to say right now. So I'm just not going to say anything. So and I completely respected that and, and, and moved on, uh, talked to Raylan after the race and she just, she was like, look, it's, it's, uh, I mean, going back to F1, it was a racing incident. You know, they were both going for the same corner at the same time unfortunately nobody's there we don't you know nobody's it was funny because i was tracking them from the from the pit area but there's so much there was so much like infrastructure in the way that by the time they got up to that hill they both just disappeared and then only Raylan came out and uh i didn't see i didn't see becca i i, I even walked up to see if anybody was watching there were these two guys who were volunteers from like the hospital who were just out, you know, handing out flyers and stuff. And, and I was like, did you all see what happened? It was like, we did, but we have no idea what's going on in this sport. So we can't really <laughs> tell you. So, <laughs> And then there was one other guy who sort of had opinions, which I don't know if I trust or not. And, and yeah, so, and, and even Hannah Aaronsman, I asked her about it afterward and she was like, yeah, I just, I came up and it just looked like Becca crashed. And I, you know, I couldn't really see what really happened more than that. So. The upshot is like, it sucks because Becca did suffer a concussion. uh, And, you know, she posted on social today that she was on the trainer. And 
we did the story on Ben Frederick, like we who suffered a TBI, like, I mean, her season could be done. Like we just, I, I don't think we'll see her for a while. Um, you know, every concussion as Ben said, every concussion. So it just, it sucks. You know, uh, we, we talked about the great day that she had had and, um, you know, she had some really bad luck, a string of bad luck doing gravel this year with flats and stuff. And, you know, you were looking for, for, for Becca, I think for her just getting a good result, a good race. And then having this happen, I think is just another frustration. And with a, with a head injury, we just don't know, like, honestly, when she's going to race again. And it just, you know, it's, it kind of, I think head injuries are like, you know, talked about dislocating your shoulder. I think head injuries are the worst. Like those are the ones that like, you just, you, you, you really hate to see, and you don't wish on, even if you hate it or right, you do not wish a head injury on anyone in cycling. Uh, so then the race then, uh, Ray, or money eventually caught up to Raylan and I guess they rode together for about a lap. Uh, and then Caroline, she didn't ride away with it. She only won by 10 seconds. I don't know. Maybe the gap was in IRL versus a, uh, a final result was a little bit bigger, but you know, money, money takes the sweep, but I mean, I think this is huge for, for us to, to get this, uh, to get the, you know, we were talking about this being an opportunity for so many other riders and I, I, eyes firmly fixated, uh, on her, you know, she had some nice results last year and this is a good start to, to her team and her program and something that she can carry, you know, some confidence with as we go into, to Rochester. Cause you know, money was, she was up front. She was like, look, this is a test, but like Rochester is going to be on a whole nother level. We have Magli Rochette, uh, who she was busy winning a thousand dollars in a race in Maine. So, you know, minor little, uh, minor little consolation prize. I think she won more money doing that race potentially than she would win for two days of winning a C2. No. Okay. I can't remember what the scale was, but it seems like it, it, it's close. Sure. It's close. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, Claire Hansinger. She won a race out in Oregon, so she raced uh, like corn cross, corn cob cross, or something. Muddy, muddy uh, race it was perfect for her. Yeah, uh, Katie Keel. Uh, she was at Flyover Silver Creek in Manitowoc, which is near Sheboygan, one of the great names in uh, w- one of the great Wisconsin names. So she's won three Wisconsin races coming in, and you know the rider that uh, I am just super stoked to see where she's at. Katie Klaus is you know uh, two years ago was her first year of college. Uh, she is at Colorado Mesa, I want to say. Uh, and so she started her season late because she was focusing on academics, getting in the swing of, of school. But she raced on the road with Rally in Europe over the summer. Uh, I'm really excited to see where Katie Klaus is at. I mean, the future is the future is now for a writer that's already won UCI races at like age 19. And it's just super exciting to kind of see where she's at and how how she factors into this conversation, you know, is it going to be Magali and Clara? Can Mani join that conversation at the front? You know, can Katie Klaus, like I, there's, there's a lot of intrigue for me, uh, coming into this race. And then I think, you know, with some retirements, you know, uh, Courtney McFadden, we could always count on her to be in that fourth spot. (laughs) Poor Courtney. Uh, you know, she retired, uh, Ruby West don't know. We'll see her. I mean, just, I feel like there's this, like this, this blob, the midfield is wide open for so many riders to make a name for themselves and really have an impact. Yeah. On Did you mention, uh, this year. Maddie Monroe? I mean, there's, she's, so she's not starting till October. Okay. 
Uh, so we talked to her dad. She's not starting till October. Sammy Reynolds, I talked to, she's finishing up her degree uh, in school. And so she's going to be racing sparingly. So I just, the some of the old names or some of the new names will come later. I just think there's huge opportunities for women's uh, kind of what we're calling the midfield to to really make a name for yourself this year. And it's it's exciting. And one more, I guess, to to the women's start or result list, kind of going down it to give a shout to Jeremy Boyd Peshkin of Chicago, a very solid Cat One racer. Um, Austin Killips, who was on the Cyclocross Radio on the uh, uh, anti transgender laws in um, Arkansas, trans woman, uh, she took eighth, which is really awesome to see. I mean, I saw saw her just crush it in the Chicago cross cup, like in 2019 going, you know, from cat four all the way to cat one. And now to see her finish eighth was pretty awesome as well. So that's uh, a name to watch out for. I know that's been, you know, an issue that's been talked about and has been really, uh, you know, a hot issue in the cyclocross community. (laughs) And she was joking about making, you know, the world's team in Arkansas. Ah, Great start eighth place. So uh, shout out to to Austin for a great eighth place. Yeah. uh, And it, Anna Magale, a name that we uh, talked about last season for a bit in their ninth place, sort of in our midfield area. Bridget Tooley, nice result, top 10 for her. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be really, you know, this was this was nice just to put sort, sort of dip our feet in the water for for UCI cyclocross in, in North America. But I think that next weekend is going just to be going to be just amped up even more. Uh, I, it, it, Rochester first C1 of the year, which is huge with the points online, but also being on TV, you know, in the U S is such a, a huge day for cyclocross and in the North America, it's going to be on GCN in Europe. It's going to be on Eurosport. It's going to be in 21 different countries. It's, it's pretty cool, you know, and, and just to clarify, I think, I, I, Zach and I were talking about this. We we have to do something on the bulletin just to let people know what's going on because I think the, uh, the 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 information out there has not been not been clear. Uh, only the C ones are going to be on TV, not the C twos. So that gives me an opportunity to go get some more footage for that to, to show you all what's going on. And uh, then um, yeah, that's that's I think that's the biggest thing that and that it's on Eurosport. So that's what we, that's what we got to look forward to. And then the World Cups. Yeah, it's just nuts. From now from now until when? Major Taylor? Thanksgiving? When do we stop? Pan Ams? <laughs> Pan Ams? <laughs> Nationals? Nationals. Nationals? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Can we, wow. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we table this for next episode, but we did find out over the weekend um, that Lawrence, this week, uh, not going to come to the States. Wait. I think we have to wait and see on that. That may have been right. a bad you, translation. So I think we're still we're still trying to figure out what's what's going on with Mr. Swear. I guess I, I I still need to I think I said this last week and then the and then the sauces actually got back to me on the DM. They were like, Hey, can you just send us a email so this doesn't get lost? And then I, I, I kind of lost my enthusiasm. But I guess I could still I could still do that and see what's going on with our season. Well, you know, LA's going to come. Yep. Um, but yeah, Zach, if you need a, if you need a headline for the the bulletin, say it ain't so. Sweet skipping stateside skirmishes. Why? Okay. Like, what's the what's the reference I'm missing? It's just a bunch of S's. 
I don't know. Sometimes cracking. So. Sometimes cracking the Bodhi code. I mean, I know I I'm I'm just that's that's not that's just you know, not I'm not the right person to say that because half my jokes people don't get. But yeah. <laughs> all right, I know in a certain way you guys should like come together and you guys should get you should be on that <laughs> that wavelength or whatever. Um, I think that's it, guys. I, we could keep going on. In fact. I rudely just stopped Michael, and I'm just going to edit that part out because I need to go and 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 do more things. So we're going to stop the episode there. We will uh, see you next time after Rochester. And hang in there, kid.